Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's got an awful feeling that Burnley are going to stay up this season. On today's pod, we're looking back on a nervy but ultimately comprehensive win over Brighton and bracing ourselves for another must-win against a stubborn opponent in the form of Watford this Saturday. Can they frustrate us for 90 whole minutes? Yes. Will they? Very probably not, but it's the can that concerns. We'll also be offering up our thoughts on United appointing a bald fraud. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined today by Lloyd and making his Friday show debut, Joe Green. Firstly, welcome Joe. Good to have you with us, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Good to be here. It's a true honour. <laughs> you've um, you've hosted a show before, before now, is that right? Yeah, truly thrown in at the deep end. Big God. Thing, but yeah, it yeah. was an interesting experience. You've done it completely the other way around. You've hosted and now you I'm making my way through slowly. Yeah, well, it's good to have you with us, man. And Lloyd, are you there? Are you well? I am indeed, yeah. Very well. Um, very, very happy after uh, the win midweek. And yeah. should probably mention I've got some pretty horrific roadworks outside my house, so hopefully that doesn't spark up, but... If there's a slight bit of background noise, then that's what it is. Yeah, fair enough. Is it roadworks that even does it benefit you in any way? Is it kind of you know new cables getting put in or anything like that? No, I think it's it's like piping. Uh. Um, so it's uh, it's the, the least interesting, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the most dis- potentially disgusting. So um, yeah, yeah, no. No positives. Uh, well, there were certainly positives on uh, Wednesday night. You just see what I did there. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I've done this before. This is, this is not my first rodeo. Um, so looking back on the kind of key moments and individual performances. Um, but before we do that, I want to kind of have an overview of it, really. Joe, would, is it fair to say that the circumstances trumped the reality of the situation? What I mean by that is... It got to half time, we were all collectively shitting ourselves. Whereas if this game had happened in autumn, we'd be like, right, well, we're creating chances, we're all over Brighton, the goals are going to come. So it was a, a real nervy game for both the fans and the players, purely because, you know, it's for title running. Um, Yeah, I think that applies more to, to the fans in the stands. I think the players probably would always have faith in themselves to go in and win a game like that. Yeah. Like you, you just alluded, it's not their first rodeo in a title race. <laughs> so I think I think they'd have been quite um confident in seeing the job through. I think there was a bit of apprehension um in the stands specifically as we got deeper and deeper into the first half. But um I think that's natural. There's so much pressure. I think we've we've also if if you take into account the weekend prior we've lost to Liverpool, there are direct competitors Everything feels very much on edge at the minute, doesn't it? So mm. it's um, it's a good recipe for for heightened tension. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of to your question. There was kind of conflict going on inside of me, Lloyd. Where half of me was saying, "Look, come on, this team has earned your trust here. They know what they're doing." As Joe said, this is not their first rodeo, and yet. I, I still don't trust the, the, the situation. It's, I, I, don't, I don't want to kind of lean on the old cliches and say cityitis of old and typical city and any of that. That doesn't exist anymore. But I was around back then, so that still lingers within me. And so half of me is kind of saying, well, trust trust in De Bruyne, for goodness sake. And yet the other half's thinking, this is nil-nil, or this is going to be a sucker punch. Did you feel the same way around half-time? I know what you mean. Like, I think... Yeah, there is a bit of city itis, particularly in people that 
us fans that have obviously kind of been around for a while. Um, you more than me, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, but, you know, I think obviously it wasn't a great first half performance. So I think that is kind of the key. And, um, you know, I think ultimately we've got an early goal in a lot of games this season and we've made it easier for ourselves. Um, and that didn't happen against Brighton. So I think it's natural that at half time you kind of they're like, oh God, you know, starting to feel nervous. But absolutely, we've got to trust in in the players and in Pep. Mm. Um, you know, look look at the position they've got they've got us into. I think the nervousness comes from the fact that unfortunately, Liverpool, we're up against Liverpool, who are, as Pep keeps saying, one of the best teams probably of all time. They are that good, mm. and we're that good. But it just means that the margins are so tight. So, um, you know, any kind of slip up, not to use a Gerardism, uh, could be curtains. Um, but we we definitely, definitely, definitely have to trust them. Um, and look, they got it done, didn't they? And in the end, you know, it was quite comfortable, actually. Yeah. Full time. Um, well, that's the thing. That's, that's kind of what I'm driving at. The whole game really was comfortable. You know, if, if you transplant this game into sep- last September... We'd be kind of in, in our kind of seats, nice and comfy, we're taking in the show, you know? But Because really, Brighton didn't offer too much today. So we were always comfortable. It was just that the need for that goal. Um, and they said, put the, you know, trust in De Bruyne. I mean, certainly, Joe, he, we did a special on De Bruyne recently, and, and I compared him to Steven Gerrard, um, you know, a more creative version of Steven Gerrard, but his leadership qualities really come to the fore in the big games and at this time of year, doesn't it? He drives the team on. Yeah, I think he's just a classic example of, of leading by example, isn't he? In terms of doing the, the business with his feet. Um, yeah. I think <clears throat> where I see the Gerard comparison is, is pretty much in the first game, uh, first goal, sorry. Um, picks the ball up, travels 20, 30 yards and just completely, you know, opens Brighton and that's what, separates him because yeah. we're in the business end of the season now and and you know you're needing someone to to almost unlock teams or, or do something ridiculous like that run to, to open a game up and and he's he's the one taking the, the game by the scruff of the neck. I think that the the um the lad who sits behind me says said going into half time we need someone to, to take this by the scruff of the neck. No one's really taking leadership of it, but in that split moment it's almost like De Bruyne says, right, I'm I'm taking this now. And we've seen it countless times, haven't we? Chelsea they did a similar thing. Um always does it in the big games, Liverpool and the league last week. It's just phenomenal. So yeah. It is huge to um mm. any aspirations of success for us. Well I mean also huge is Kyle Walker, who's out this Saturday. Uh, John Stones is 50-50. Nathan Ake is 50-50. We'll know more later when Pep gives his presser. But um, yeah. are you, does that, I'll stay, stay with you, John, does, does it worry you, um, the fact that we could you know, conceivably be without three three of our main defenders this weekend? Or is that less of a, less of a concern going in, against Watford? I've not been too disrespectful to Watford. I would expect, like, with the way we dominate the ball and, and the nature yeah. of how we set up, that we should be able to get through. It's more the games after, if they're still out. Um, don't get me wrong, Watford, even though the way they're on the table, they still have players who can hurt you, like Dennis, etc. But you'd expect, given the nature of how City play and, and, and the way we dominate possession, it, it, 
Sinchenko should come in. We'll have to figure something out on the other side. Probably Cancelo, and and you would hope that would be enough to get us through. But yeah, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't concern me in general. But I would still expect us to have enough to get over the line defensively. Yeah. What about kind of um, midfield and up front, Lloyd? What are you kind of anticipating Pep to to do here with Real on on the horizon? At what against Watford? Um, yeah. I think he's got to rotate a bit, hasn't he? Um, I think, to be honest, we're fortunate that these games have come, these type of games have come after the, the run we've had. Um, yeah. I honestly don't think Atletico Liverpool, Atletico Liverpool, we could have played like four harder fixtures. Um, and that's obviously told in the fact that we picked up a few injuries and what did Pep say? Like 71 treatments they had to have across that kind of window. Jesus. Um, so you know it's been it's been grueling, and we haven't got the fortune that Liverpool did in terms of having an easier draw. So you know, in that last in that second Benfica game, they were able to rest. I think they made seven changes from the team against City, um, and that's massive at this game of the season to give those guys a rest. So I would imagine that Pep sees this weekend as a similar type opportunity. Um, obviously, we need to win because we need to win probably every game. Um, but I would imagine that, particularly up front, uh, I think Phil will probably step out. Um, so I was saying on the show the other day, uh, I had a look into the stats. Phil started every Premier League game since Arsenal away. Yeah. So, which is mental. Uh, and obviously he's played three he started three of the four Atletico or Liverpool games didn't start I think the first leg against Atletico yeah so I would imagine that Phil will get a rest Um, I mean I would have thought that Grealish would come in uh, but to be honest I would have thought Grealish would have come in against Brighton and he didn't yes so that yeah I I would expect Grealish to come in I think Sterling will come back in Um. And then the last one's difficult. I, I think it'll be, it's going to be either Mares or Jesus. And I don't really know, to be honest. Um, obviously, Jesus, I thought Jesus was injured when he came off against Liverpool, but he's clearly okay because he came on against Brighton, didn't he, for like 10 minutes or so. Mm. So, yeah, I, I'd say it's a toss-up between those two, but I would definitely imagine that Phil will, will sit this one out. Joe, is there any danger of Watford kind of frustrating us as Brighton did in that first 45 minutes? Um, we've seen four decent showings under Hodgson and all have been away from Vicarage Road, which is a concern. For me personally, I think a touch of the fight has gone out of him in recent weeks. Um, they've conceded seven in the last three and they've put up little resistance. I mean, I saw them against Leeds and they were so poor, uh, particularly yeah. in the back. Um, do you see them having no wherewithal at the back to kind of, you know, frustrate us for, for a long, sustained period? Um, in a word, no. <laughs> um, I think, I think um, what's probably killed Watford a bit psychologically is is Everton and, and uh, Burnley have probably just started picking up points and opened up a little bit of a gap above them, whereas yeah. they've continued to, to, even when they were doing well, like Anfield away in other games, they still weren't getting any points. And I think eventually that does grind you down, specifically at the business end when they need to just, even if it's a draw, they need to be putting something on the board. Um, and it's almost like recently they've been kind of accepted that it's probably not going to happen for them now. Um, I think Hodgson 
Um, you know, I'm always kind of loath to, to write him off because I think his teams over the years at the Etihad have, have given us <laughs> some nightmares, yes. whether it was with yeah. Palace or whether it was with Fulham. So, um, like I said earlier, they've got some good players who could certainly hurt us, but I think the nature of, of the way Watford play, they're a bit more expansive. I think Brighton are a, a very well-coached, um, settled team with Graham Potter. I think even though we've, we've given them a few spankings over the year, scoreline-wise at the Etihad, they always seem to weirdly play well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, whereas Watford, whenever I've watched them, are, very, are, <laughs> we've are a bit all over the place. As well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we really have. The, the aggregate scoreline from our last 10 meetings is 42-4. <laughs> um, yeah, we're like six yeah. up after twenty. <laughs> yeah, sort of and something I didn't know until yesterday. Um, City have won their last fourteen encounters against the Hornets. If they win on Saturday, City, that's a new record across English football for one club beating the other fifteen games conse- uh, consecutively. So I didn't know. It's a bit of a quirk there. Um, also, in kind of doing a, a preview for a betting site, I, I, I look back <coughs> at a three-one win at Vicarage Road. 26 attempts on target, City yeah. had. 26 Absolutely. attempts on goal. That's crazy. Um, Watford have lost 69% of their league games this season, more than any other club in the top flight, including Norwich. A um, couple of other little quirky things, and I'm not jinxing this. Please don't give me grief if this happens on Saturday. I don't have that power to jinx anything, but they have yet to score from outside the box, and none of their defenders have yet scored. Okay, that did sound like oh. I was jinxing things, but <laughs> it's still That's crazy, bad. though. Yeah, no other club in the, in the top flight or the championship have had no defenders yet to score. Um, so that I mean, look, they're bad, aren't they? I mean, I, I'm not anything could happen at the weekend, but they're a poor team. Oh, they're crap. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I'm buzzing that we're playing them. <laughs> to be honest, like, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's perfect timing, um, and. I think the only thing I would say is I actually did watch the Liverpool-Watford game a few weeks ago. <coughs> yeah. And low-key, they played really well in that game and they probably should have got a point. Um, and they were a bit unfortunate not to, yeah, not, not to get, I'd say, probably a point. But that was like, when I was watching it, that was like Watford at their absolute best against yes. Liverpool, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they'd have to do the same to us, which was they defended Really deep, really tight, like Hodgson te- Hodgson's teams do, getting nightmares of Palace and Townsend scoring that whipper. <laughs> yeah. But defended really tight, but then on the break with Ismail Assar and Chuka Hernandez and Dennis, they had that kind of a bit of bit about them and moved the ball quite nicely in transition. So, yeah, I think, you know, ultimately we've got to take some solace in the fact that to even get a point, I think Watford have to play an unbelievable game at the weekend. Mm. Um, and we have to be off it ourselves. So they're not a good team. They're, de- they're definitely going down. Um, yes, Hodgson's pulled rabbits out of a hat before, but I don't think it's going to happen this season. There's not enough quality in that squad. Um, so look, let's, we, I think we just need to be positive. Uh, and I do think Pep needs to use it as an opportunity to rest some of the key boys because obviously we've got Madrid coming up, doubleheader, and um, you know you've like, mentioned it before, but you've seen with Liverpool, I think how important it is to get a little bit of rest in some of those key players' legs at this time of the season. Yeah, I saw an interview with Gary Neville this week and um, he was talking about uh, a season where they were, they were chasing all kinds of silverware with United and 
Um, he said in the last 10 games of each season, Ferguson would always choose one game where he, he basically had to take a gamble. And he said that Klopp's gamble was, you know, in that second leg against Benfica. Um, you could say that ours was FA Cup semi-final, but just as likely, I think he will rest a couple of players on Saturday. Joe, should we go on to win? Uh, we go four points clear of Liverpool, go, and with them having to face a Merseyside derby, is that huge psychological advantage to put that pressure on Liverpool? Or are Liverpool and City now basically just thinking it's going to be tit for tat to the end of the season anyway, <coughs> regardless? My heart says it, it'll have a psychological impact, but my, my brain says it won't. I, mm. I think Everton are that bad. Um, I mean, they scuffed a, a, a point, didn't they, the other night with Charlton in the last second. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think <clears throat> Neville, or, or one of the commentary um, team from, from the Liverpool United game, made a good point in that on paper, United, Liverpool, uh, Everton for them, you'd think really tough, but the reality of it on the ground is they're both probably the worst versions of the teams they've had in the Premier League era. Yeah. Um, so I think um, it, it would be good like to, to put the points on the board. I think in 1819, it always felt like they played before us. Um, yes, it pretty much was, yeah. And it certainly used to um, do my head in when, when they would win because <laughs> it, yeah. it's like it's an uphill battle again. So it puts that little bit of pressure on in terms of, you know, the facts on the ground are if we beat Watford, we'll have opened up a gap and we were behind them before we played Brighton. Um, but realistically, I have no faith in Everton getting anything whatsoever at Anfield. So I'm just I'm just not um, even entertaining the thought that something good could happen and then anything's a bonus. Did, did, That's the psychology I'm using on that one. I did the same uh, going to the United game and yet I found myself with 10 minutes to kick off thinking, you know what? <laughs> this could happen. It gets you, doesn't it? Every time, every time you fall for it. Um all right. As the guard goes down, it's it's when the pain sets in. <laughs> exactly that. Happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that game by the way with my dad, who's a United fan, and yeah, that was very, very enjoyable <laughs> just to see his suffering. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you see this one playing out? I'll start with you, Joe. Um, are you anticipating basically a, a glorified training ground exercise of attack for defence with Watford just looking to hit us on the break? I think if we can get an early goal, which we, we do normally do against Watford, it could be a real good opportunity to, to, to claw back some of that goal difference. Yeah, yeah. That's how I'm looking at it, and I don't want that to come across as arrogant, because I know we've ultimately no games are won on paper, but if you're going to get an opportunity in this running to, to put five or six on the board, this is the fixture, isn't it? So yeah. um, I think if we can get a goal early on, you, you would not be surprised if Watford was completely down-tooled, would you? Um, so, yeah, um, I'm hoping... It's one of those where first attack, you know, we unlock them. And then, like you say, from that point, you would thoroughly expect it to be a training session. I just don't see any way whereby Watford have enough in the tank to to, to keep us at bay, even if they played the, the best for, for a full 90 minutes, famous last words. But I'm, I'm hoping, as I say, we can score really and maybe put five or six past them. Oh, love it. So so score prediction, like kind of 5 nil. Uh, one one. Uh, no, 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 I reckon um, it'd be good for. I think Lloyd said like the likes of Jesus coming back in if we could get them on the goal on the goal sheet again. You know, just just so that the the they're fresh and and they're a bit more confident in goal. So I'm going to go for um, four or five nil. Okay, I'm going go confident. For, I'm going four nil. Yeah, um, 
I think them, I, I can see it being one nil at half time, and I, I can see a bit of a capitulation from them late on. Um, Lloyd, how do you see this one playing out, and your score prediction? So before I answer, can we just? I think it'd be useful to should we just go through what we think the team will be? Mm. Um, so I'll throw that back to you first, Steve. Like what 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 lineup are you expecting? I mean, obvious. The obvious point is it depends on Stones and Ake. Um, but I'm anticipating Zinchenko start, obviously Edson and goal. Um, Diaz will be coming back in. Um, mm. Laporte, uh, Cancelo at, at right back. And if it'll be up front, I think he'll, he'll change things. So I'm hoping to see Grealish come back. Um, Grealish and Jesus. Um, kind of that false nine role, I really don't know. And, and he alternates it so much. So it's really hard one to, Full on. I, I agree with you. I think he will bring Foden out of this one. Um, Gundo will start. Uh, be really interesting to see if he rests De Bruyne with Real on the horizon, but that's a 50 50 call. Um, but I do think he'll go with Rodri uh, in the middle. And I, I do actually think he's going to stay with Rodri now from now until the end of the season. Um, but, you know, I'm more than prepared to be proved wrong on that. Um, Joe, what about yourself? Is that anything there you, you kind of disagree with? Uh, not really. I, I think front three wise, I, I would personally go for something like um, Grealish left. I think that's a really good stat, to be honest, um, Lloyd, about Foden. I didn't realise he played that much football. I, no, so. New Year's Day, so it's basically throughout yeah, it's 2022. Lot, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a so lot. I'd put um, Grealish left. We need something from Grealish now, don't we? Just just to get him up and firing for this last bit of the season, whether it be a goal or an assist, just to just to get him up and yeah. firing. So I'd, I'd stick Grealish on the left, um, Jesus on the right, uh, and I'd go Sterling. Um, didn't start the other night, did he? So I'd put Sterling false nine opportunity for them. Three mm. players that could probably do with getting themselves on the score sheet, getting the confidence up. If I remember rightly... I was going to say I may be wrong on this, but I do. I can picture Sterling scoring a lot of goals in the past against Watford. I think he has, so I might be yeah. wrong there. But yeah, he did sure at Vicarage does. Road. He got the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, do you reckon Kevill start? Uh, I'd be tempted not to. I don't know. That might might sound a bit um, negative, but it's just so imperative to this running. Um, and I just had visions. You know, you know, when he went through and set up the first goal, be Brighton. That's one was just going to clean swipe him out. Um, mm. And I've just got a horrible vision in my head that someone's going to attempt something like that because at times it's literally the only way you can stop him, isn't it? So I'd be tempted not to play him now. I think Rodri, maybe get Bernard um, and Gundogan if he's okay. I know there's been a few questions around him and his back and stuff recently. Maybe go something like that in midfield and bring Kevin off the bench for 15 20 if needed. Lloyd, if you were manager, would you rest the brain for this? Yeah, I would actually. Um, we discussed this a little bit on the podcast yesterday on the review of the Brighton game. Um, Stefan described it as like a 50 50 call, but I think the more I think about it, the more actually I think we've got to take the risk and rest him. Yeah, yeah, um, going that way. I just think oh, this he's going he's to have to play basically every game, um, apart from maybe one of the other Premier League games in and around the uh, the the Madrid games if we if we manage to kind of get a decent-ish 
first leg results, say, so to speak. So I think you have to take the opportunity to, to rest and particularly given his potential injury the other night and the stitches. Um, and I just keep him on the bench. So if for whatever reason it's nil nil on 60 minutes, God, I hope not. And I would expect not, then yeah, we can bring him on if he needs to be. So yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely keep him on the bench actually. Um, I think the problem is again a little bit like Phil. I don't have the stats on Bernardo, but it feels like he's played loads yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm a bit worried about his kind of overload, but we don't really have another option. It is this squad thing is starting to hit us a little bit in the chops that if you rest De Bruyne, you, you have to play Gundogan and Bernardo. Gundogan sounds like there's this potential back problem that um, is rearing its head. So I would imagine it's those th- two with Rodri. I think back four pits itself, uh, it was the same one that you went for, Steve. I think with concerns over Ake and Stones, it has to be yeah. Cancelo, uh, Laporte, Diaz, Zinchenko. I thought Zinchenko looked good in his cameo the other night. And I think it's important we get some minutes into his legs because we're probably definitely going to need him in the Champions League with, with Cancelo being out. And obviously there's not much news about Walker is there at the moment. And then front three at, I would have thought it would be Grealish, Sterling, Mares, um, but like I said before, and like you boys have alluded to, there's probably a good chance of Jesus starts as well. So, look, that team should be comfortably good enough to beat Watford and to bring it back full circle. I'm going to go four nil, four nil, four nil, five nil. Love it, loving it. Right. So that's kind of City, Watford, and all the optimism around in that. Um, talking of optimism, there's some down the road right now. Um, is it misguided, though? We'll, we'll find out in due course. Ten Hag has been appointed at Old Trafford. Um, Joe, the right choice? Have, have United actually done a sensible decision for once? Um... Look, I can see the logic. <laughs> yes, was, yeah. yeah. Spoke volumes that didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think if United is, they always bring in high-profile managers, or they'll bring in. They go one or two ways, don't they? So you've got a Mourinho and a Louis Van Gaal, or they've got the the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ranić approach. I think the problem with United is ultimately, no matter who they bring in, there's no kind of football infrastructure at the club. If that makes sense, yeah. It's it's very much a case of. So, for example, at the back end of, of last year, United finished second, and you could see like a general pattern to the way they they were setting up and playing under Sochar. They were very much a team with with a lot of pace going forward, who could could press and would hit you on the break, um, specifically wide areas. They then go and completely shit their pants in the summer and sign Ronaldo because they're concerned he'll go to City which totally throws away everything in my opinion that Solskjaer had been building prior to that point and almost nullified the Sancho signing and, and they're just very reactionary I think Ten Hag's the complete opposite of a re- of a manager who wants to work in a reactionary environment he's someone who wants to build over time and implement a philosophy and a style of play which he's been given time to do at Ajax mm. um, and the, the question ultimately comes with you can talk about will he get the time and, and, and will he be backed, etc. I think this is where you need a football apparatus in, in play to, to almost be able to, to be like a sponge when it's not going right initially and, and, and he's feeling his way out of it and he's building the team and he's experimenting. United, as soon as it becomes apparent that 
whether it because of the sponsorship arrangements or or whatever, that they may miss out on the Champions League. Always pull the trigger. If if you look when they've sat managers historically, whether it be Mourinho, whether it be um Gunnar Solskjaer, as soon as they finished outside of that top, oh, they were a fair distance away out of the top four, but it was still potentially salvageable by making a knee-jerk appointment. They pulled the trigger. I think the chances are early on in Ten Hag's reign, they could find themselves in that position because they, they don't have a squad of players that, if you look at the way he plays, um, without major surgery, uh, suit what he will want. So it's whether they have the foresight to to give him that time to, to build. Um, and money as well. I mean, it, it is yeah. major surgery we're talking about here. Major it, surgery. Yeah. I think if you look at maybe a comparison that they'd be looking at is when Liverpool appointed Klopp obviously they don't have the resources of United but they gave him time and, and, and he had to get a lot of deadwood out, out of that, that club I mean some of the players they had there at the time and, and this is kind of that on a much bigger scale but with a club that don't have that football infrastructure in place and who will pull the trigger on him if if, if they start panicking um, that's how I see it so Fancy question. I rate him highly as a coach and as a manager, but I just don't think it's a good fit club-wise. Yeah. I'll summarise it. I mean, I, I completely agree with you regarding the club, but I would also extend that to the fan base and the media as well as regards to him not being given time. I mean, Lloyd, is that a big problem where, you know, not that I feel any sympathy for them, but United do tend to be scrutinised far more than any other club and, and a, a defeat is a disaster and, and the manager's hopeless You know, if they go three games without a win. Um, so is that going to be a factor for him? Yeah, it will. I mean, there's, you know, United's a circus, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it feels like every time I tune in to, I don't know why I continue, but I listen to like the Gary Neville podcast, the first topic is always United and you know, so often when, you know, it's United on, on Sky, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes pre-game of the hour is kind of dedicated to talking about United and how shite they are, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's pressure for him. And, you know, Ajax are a big club in, in Holland, but, well, arguably the biggest, but I don't think it's the same in terms of the spotlight is probably bigger here and the pressure will be greater. Um, United are a much more global club, aren't they, um, than Ajax? Whether he's the right appointment, I mean, United is a fucking wasteland for managers. So, I mean, I think anyone could walk in there and struggle initially. Um, there have been good managers that have gone there and really struggled. I mean, Mourinho was probably on the down when he went there, but like, you know, United completely spat him out. Van Gaal, well, I mean, the less said about that, the better. Um, David Moyes obviously that just did not work and it was too big for him but like, look at what he's doing at West Ham now So, mm. and look at what he did at Everton he's not a poor manager um, I th- I think he could really struggle I think it could be career limiting for him um, it kind of has to work otherwise you know <laughs> I don't know where United turn if it doesn't work um, I mean I think they've made a mistake I, would, I think Pochettino was the right Appointment for them to make. To I, I instinctively feel the same way. That's nothing against Ten Hag whatsoever, but yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, I just think Pochettino did obviously has experience in the Premier League, and I think has it 
has has experience of working in a very difficult structure under Levy, where there's not a massive, uh, you know, Spurs have an infrastructure, but it's not kind of as set out or as based as like cities or or say Ajax's. Um, and I don't know, I just really felt that that would have been a much better move. And as a City fan, I would have feared that more than Ten Hag. Ten Hag, I think, would be much more suited to, to City, essentially, if yeah, Pep were to leave. Um, so <laughs> I'm not saying it won't, it definitely won't go well, but I think he's just got so much work to do without a lack of infrastructure, United squad. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? They were kind of being tipped for very much top four title push at the beginning of the season. And now the narrative is very much, you know, half the squad needs to go mm. and the fridge at centre half. Um, is you know <laughs> needs to go, but they can't sell him because he's what eighty five million or whatever it was. So yeah, I think he's got a real job on his hands, and I, I think United could spit him out. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> um, Can I just make another point? Oh, sure. Sorry, Steve, for going. Yeah. say he's he's leaving um, a very stable, structured environment for chaos. <clears throat> and that may be a real challenge for him. And mm. I think with United commercially, if you dangle that commercial carrot in front of them, whether it be a Sanchez or Ronaldo, they will almost always, regardless of what the manager may want, they'll yeah. pull the trigger and make that decision. And and it's just chaos. It's, it's wonderful. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the last decade, but it's going to be, um, yeah, it, it's just mad. I think, I think, it's probably a very difficult job as a manager to turn down because of being that, that manager who could restore them. But I think the problem any United manager has got is you're facing two of the all-time great managers um, at your two biggest rivals. And I think realistically, whilst they're still in their positions at, at City and Liverpool, they're always going to be... And, and they work at clubs where they're very well supported in a good environment. And I just think they're always going to be ahead of the curve than United. And um, that's never going to be acceptable to United's fans or the media, who might as well be the fans as well. So it's almost like, do you know what I mean? It's a lose-lose for, for a Man United manager. You're going to get chopped eventually. I, I think that's such a, a good point and such a key point as well about their kind of how they always have to go for the glamorous signing. They feel compelled to do so, um, even when it's kind of, you know, counts against him. I mean, Ronaldo last summer, apparently they were close to getting Camavinga um, and then Ronaldo made himself available and they just switched tack completely to him and they, they could afford basically this kid who's going to be a superstar one day and is already proven that Real Madrid, who has energy in his legs and could really kind of drive their midfield or... Ronaldo for what two seasons and just you know increase the kind of the circus element of that club um, and they went for Ronaldo and it was such a, a foolish mistake it was such a wrong move for them to to make but um, well there you go that's what that's the mistakes they're going to make if you're Manchester United regardless of who's in charge um, okay before we go I really want to just have a very quick look at the championship and um, hopefully we'll be able to get back to this and look at it properly in, in a couple of weeks' time. But as we stand, we're looking at maybe five, six, seven games left. Um, Fulham's already up. Bournemouth are as good as up. A couple more results for them, we'll see them right. Um, but beyond them, uh, in the playoff, it, it's one of 10, maybe even 11. You can chuck Swansea in there. So just kind of very quickly, Joe, is there any of these clubs 
Um, I maybe in case anyone's kind of walking the dog right now and doesn't have access, I'm just going to whiz through them quickly. Huddersfield, Luton, Forest, Sheffield United, Millwall, Blackburn, Middlesbrough, QPR, Coventry, West Brom, <laughs> Swansea, all have genuine hopes and a chance of getting a playoff spot. From that, those, Joe, is there any you really want to see in a Premier League? Uh, from a selfish perspective, because I've never been there on an away day, it would probably be Forest, because um, yeah. they've been out of the top division what since '99. Um, so good to see them back. But I mean, there's some some interesting characters. I certainly wouldn't want Millwall up uh, no. if, that, if that if that can be um, helped. But I always thought Blackburn on the, along the same lines. Line, sorry, was a great away day with the full stand behind Hollywood uh, yeah. Park. But um, from a purely football perspective. Um, I think Forest, you could argue, are still in with a chance of. They can, with seven points behind and the level on points of Bournemouth, so they can do it. Ah, yeah. yes. So I've just seen Bournemouth have played the same games. I thought they played a game more. Maybe not then. But I think I think um, momentum would suggest Forest are probably the most likely. I think one defeat in the last five. They, they, they were. When. Um, oh, forgive me. I can't remember the manager's name. Um, who, who's taken over, has done a brilliant job. Cause oh, Steve, like, Steve Cooper. Yeah, yeah, they, they was that Swansea, wasn't he? Um, I think yeah. they they were um, bottom half, and he's just fired them straight into contention. Mm. So, Forest are the ones that stand out for me. But there's always a feel f- for me with the playoffs. It's the team that are just sitting outside of it, and then make it on the last day. Yes. The momentum that like, gives them, it's almost like we've been given a chance for nothing here. So maybe it's someone like a Coventry or a. It's hard to say, isn't it? I'd love a Coventry. I mean, the, the Mark Robbins thing, great to little, obviously, with the United Connection. But that side, um, I wrote an article about Coventry years ago, kind of just sticking up for them because of the shit they've been through. And the response, the positive response I got from Coventry fans, I, I've just had a, an affection for them ever since, I've got to say. But um, there's nothing like people being complimentary to make you like them. <laughs> yeah, great uh, yeah. name and great colours as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um Although, yeah, I've just remembered a random party I went to once and that someone said who I supported and I said City and they said, what, Coventry City? I was like, no, Manchester City. They said, no, Coventry is the, the actual city. I was like, no, no, I'm not having that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Lloyd, who would you go for out of them? Who would you personally, just as a, a fan to watch on a, you know, a Saturday afternoon, like to see out of them lot? Oh, I think it has to be Forrest. Um mm. It's a clean think, sweep. I'll go to yeah. I think Forest, obviously, I think when a club like Forest that have got a lot of history anyway comes up, a bit like when Leeds came up, I think it adds something to the Premier League, um, because big grounds, big fan base, um, makes it kind of difficult away game. I think that just kind of yeah, that that's just sort of what the Premier League's about, isn't it? Um, also, decent away trip. Um, very glad Fulham have come back up. That's s- such a good away day. Mm, yeah, um, I mean. and then it's probably going to be Bournemouth, isn't it? I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. They are got a couple of games in hand on some of the teams around them. Not in great form, but uh, I would imagine it Bournemouth. Bournemouth less arse, never been, but looks crap as an away day. Um, Happy to be proven wrong on that, but I don't know what it is about Bournemouth. I just I have absolutely no love for Bournemouth. Um, yeah, it's uh, a slog, isn't it, to I'm get there? Really and back as well. about yeah. If, if we if if Bournemouth comes up, we're going to have to have Zach back on. Zach's been on a couple of times, and he was the lad who 
Sir Show defended, you know, and uh, the police oh, waited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll have to get Zach back on when Bournemouth go up just to see if he's going down there again. Because <laughs> his whole family basically came back north again, you know, we had to, and he was mm. just in the cells and then he had to make his own way back home from Bournemouth. Yeah, that's 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 not the one, is it? Um, no. I think there's rumours as well that Delap goes to Bournemouth if they get promoted. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, That'd be good for him, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's so a good that, fit, that. that would give me a bit of interest, obviously, in Bournemouth. But, um, yeah, Fulham, Fulham, Bournemouth, Forest. I mean, overall, I would be happy with that. Yeah. I've got to say, this won't make me popular with a lot of kind of the older City fans listening in, but... I've always liked Luton Town. I, I was too young to kind of experience that 83 relegation and the pleat, you know, kind of run on the pitch. Um, I was, I can kind of recall it, but I was too young. And I loved their kits. And yeah, reaching the League Cup final in 88, I think, or 89. Um, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Luton Town. So, um, and Leon would be conflicted, Lloyd, would he? <laughs> oh, God. That would yeah. be brilliant. Luton against City. Leon, get him on the pod, definitely. Um, <laughs> Tell you what, that, that would get you uh, banned from our house, that statement. Raddy Antic and David yeah. across the pitch. Yeah, it's, I'm just, like I said, I can vaguely recall it, but and I've obviously have seen it back, and I've got no love for David Pleat whatsoever, but yeah. I, I just I, Also, the fact that they've been in the top flight for so long as well, I... I really great on me the amount of clubs who are just yo-yo clubs and they just go up and down West Brom yeah. Norwich and the like so Fulham's a great away day but haven't they just had their turn but- I think what I would say as well is um, just echoing what you said about Coventry I mean what a story for Luton I think 10 years ago were they not in the they, yeah. got, they fell all the way out of the football league yeah they? yeah, they were nationwide so it's um, yeah Luton and Coventry one of those two would be an amazing story um, and well deserved as well I mean Coventry was shit over big time weren't they yeah, the stadium. Are, are, are they still long term locked into? Is it the Rico? Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. They've had loads of it. Yeah. So they're back at the Rico now, but it's kind of um, you know I think Suso aren't there anymore, so it's at least you know good times ahead for them now. Uh, good team, good manager as well. Right, lads. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed that, and um, I'm feeling positive about Watford. Uh, to be fair, I felt positive going into this, and. If it goes wrong, like I say to everyone, it's not my fault. I know I pointed out that the defender hasn't scored for them all season. I know I said no one scored from outside the box, but if that happens, I can't jinx anything. I have no power. So just want to get that out there and confirm it. Um, all right. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks for joining me today, mate. Cheers, boys. Thanks, Joe. Looking to a big win, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. 4-0 or 5-0. Cheers, Joe. Appreciate that, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me on. And thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to put together a quiz for in a few years' time, where one of the questions is, who managed Manchester United for the latter half of 21-22 season? No one's going to get it. No one. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, everyone. And here's the three points on Saturday for the Magnificent Blues.